Hi, I'm Holly La Rochelle, and this is the Trail of Adventure Campfire. This podcast is for pioneers like me who are reclaiming their wildness and freedom, who like taking risks, living boldly, and making mistakes. This podcast is all about venturing beyond the known, following your trail of adventure wherever it may lead. And along the way, we're using what we've got, looking at challenges as a chance to create, and believing that it can be fun, easy, and joyful as we find our way forward. Long live the adventure. Hey, and welcome back to the Trail of Adventure podcast. Today, I'm talking with Rebecca M. Farrar. She's an MA who is an archetypal astrologer living in the San Francisco Bay Area, and she offers down-to-earth readings focused on self-care and soul care. Hey, Rebecca, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm excited to dive into uh, soul care, which is something that I definitely feel strongly about and have written about why adventure for me is Mm. my soul care. So I'm excited to dive deeper into that. But I got to know, what is an archetypal astrologer? Yeah, that's a great question. It's funny because I'm often like, well, what makes me, you know, an astrologer versus an archetypal astrologer? I think that's a very big thing. Um, You know, there's so many lineages of astrology and the lineage that I'm a part of is just called archetypal astrology. And the reason being is that it's based on the archetypal elements of Jung's work. Um, And so it's more about depth psychology rather than like predictive astrology or more traditional, what's called orary astrology. Um, So it's archetypal, meaning that I'm looking at the planets and I'm seeing them as archetypes all of themselves. Um, rather than good or bad. It's like with archetypes, there's a symbolic expression that has a large spectrum rather than like, this is a good planet, this is a bad planet type of thing. That's really interesting. And so like in comparison to like the typical astrological stuff that we would like see online or read in the newspapers. So um, it sounds like yours would have a lot more depth than that sort of reading. Yeah, I think a big part of what really separates out archetypal astrology is actually we focus less on the zodiac um, and then a lot more on the planets as physical bodies, right? I mean, the zodiac that we currently use in Western astrology is not actually lined up with the stars and the constellations. And so if you think about the planets, that's actually kind of what can exert more influence over us because they're, they're physical bodies rather than a projection of a constellation, basically. That's really interesting too, especially in when they found another one last year, mm-hmm. right? Or, or brought it online maybe is more, uh, you know, accurate. Um, but that was a really interesting time to learn. And I'm going to say it wrong. Eros, is that right? How do you say it? Are you talking about the Zodiac or the pl- a planet? The planet. Like there was a planet, which is, um, it was, it's more of a divine feminine kind of planet. And it had been one that hadn't been considered until like the past year. And like, you know what I'm, am I, am I blowing smoke? (laughs) Well, no, I was just, I feel like there's been so many planets discovered in the last (laughs) five, six years. And so I'm like, well, which one? Um, But if you, I think you might be meeting Eris. Yes. Yes. Um, So that was discovered several years ago. And um, I actually, it's called, it's technically called a TNO, which is called a trans-Neptunian object. 
Mm. Um, it has a little bit of a different designation than like a, just a dwarf planet. Um, but yeah, I mean, God, I could talk about hours about Eris because I actually don't think of it as, um, I think the way that a lot of other people think of it. And that's the cool thing about archetypal astrology is that the archetypes evolve with us. And so an archetype for one person can feel really differently to someone else. Oh, that is really neat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that I discovered it in the past year then, not that it was discovered. That that's, <laughs> that's good. Uh, well, that's just as important. The archetype yeah. was new to you. That's yeah, perfect. It was, it was new to me. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really cool. I really want to talk about uh, soul care and the difference between, I think the key part right off the bat is the difference between self-care and soul care. And uh, I'm kind of tired about hearing about self-care a little bit, I gotta say, because when it's being spoken of, in my opinion, um, we're talking about bath bombs and manis and like wine spritzers, let's say, um, it, it, it's, it's a really narrow view, I think, of self-care that's being portrayed. And also, um, as, as someone who uh, is very thrifty, it's, it's a very um, rich kind of <laughs> like persona of self-care. Like it, it's not these, you know, daily moments. It's more of this like expansive spa type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, so self-care, you know, kind of has this double-edged sword in some ways, right? Yeah, I think that was a part of what I was really excited when I was looking at your website and looking at what the work you're doing is that I feel the same way. I feel like self-care has become this kind of weird, elitist, Instagrammable experience. <laughs> That's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than like, I tend to think of self-care and the way I word it for myself now is more self-parenting. So it's oh, away yeah. from this idea of like, oh, something that looks pretty rather than instead something that like the need I didn't get met in some way as a child getting met through myself. Um, I tend to try to think of it that way now instead. I really like that. That sounds like to me, like some of the stuff I've heard of a holistic psychologist kind of uses some of the similar language. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of think of it more as like uh, nurturing myself, mm -hmm. like you know, similar to how I would nurture my child if they were doing yeah. one of, I guess why the parenting thing really fits. But um, I think of it more as like nurturing and nurturing myself. And I always think in like um, garden, garden metaphors, you know, like it's like when you take your watering can out and you, you know, water your plants. And even if they were getting a little droopy, they kind of perk right back up again, you know, and you can kind of see that happen uh, visually. And, right. and to me, that's where what self-care is, is in my opinion, supposed to be about not necessarily these luxe Instagram moments, let's say. Yeah. The way I kind of describe it in astrology is often where you're, um, you're feeding what lights you up. Right. Um, and so it's a little, it's like, I think about more of like the sun where the sun is the capital self and you're like, Hey, what can I do to feed a healthy sense of self so that I feel seen for myself so that I feel lit up so that I feel energized and taken care of rather than just like oh I'm doing something because it seems like that's what I'm supposed to be doing because it looks yeah. good when I put it in my stories <laughs> or something yeah. like that yeah and, and I you know in looking back in my work um a couple of years ago I I literally posted the question on on Facebook on my Facebook page mm. and I said um 
how do you guys do self-care? Because I was convinced, like dead to the ground convinced that self-care had to be done. You had to have at least an hour, one hour, 60 Mm. minutes to do self-care. And if I, and I was having this real problem being a mom of um, a toddler and a baby and one who worked full time, um, finding that hour for myself in the day, it didn't exist. Um, and so I literally posted on Facebook, like, how do you do self-care? What is self-care? Like, tell me more. Um, and a bunch of my friends responded about the things they did for self-care. And what I was really struck about them was they were so different. Like they were so widely different. Like some of them had commonalities, but they were all over the map. Like there was Mm -hmm. no, you know, one of them would say like, Hey, I'm a triathlon runner. So I run, you know, one of the other ones said like, you know, I like to go to, um, I like to go to Tim Hortons and have a coffee and sit by myself. Like they were just totally different. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, the piece, what I was also hearing is so much around self-care, I think makes it like, we're talking about the luxurious of it. It makes it just feel like it's this privileged thing, right? Like if you don't have children, if you don't, if you don't have time, um, you know, it's also been very much kind of co-opted by like the white wellness movement. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that that's the fun thing about thinking about self-care versus like a soul care where it doesn't have to look a certain way. Um, and then, you know, there's also this idea of community care, right? And yes, so how yes. does self-care and soul care turn into community care as well? And I think those are often very much in the same boat. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are learning, especially now and throughout the pandemic, we started learning about the community care became obvious when there was no community care and those things that the community was doing to support us or, mm-hmm. you know, what we were engaging in literally got ripped from yeah. us, right? You, you learned really quickly what was, what you, re- I don't want to say relied on, but like what you really cherished essentially, right? Like, um, and hearing, that's been one of my favorite stories to hear from this is like, what was that one thing for you, you know, and, mm. and just listening to the different answers of that from people I've run into the coffee store or, uh, you know, my friends who I'm trying to connect with through the phone or like whatever, um, that those have been really the best stories to me to hear, you know, what they, they cherish and, and now what they're nurturing because of it. Right. Yeah. Well, I think about it even bigger, right. As community care is not just on the mezzo layer, but on the national level, right? Like the real macro level. And in that way, that means we have so much more work to be doing. I mean, especially in the United States, right? I mean, we tend to idealize Canada right now as like, oh, at least you take care of your citizens, but that doesn't mean that there's actually like care going on on all levels, right? And and for our listeners right now, like we're literally the day after the election right now where they are counting the ballots and it is super close. Um, like everything I've been following has said that we're not going to go any further than that on that topic, but, um, just to know when we're recording this, where it was at, um, cause I think that's important too. Yeah. Cause we're talking about the pandemic, right. And we're talking about how this does bring up such a question. And I think the United States has some of the least amount of community care and national care in place of most nations. Yeah. And, and so there's real, but you know, there's real potential here for 
there to be a giant change. And, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, like even as a Canadian, because I think that the, whatever happens next is going to be really interesting in history, like generally. So, um, but I think the self-care uh, and especially the soul care right now have really become um, the difference to being standing strong right now and feeling like you're getting buffeted by the community, the collective, because um, if you're not standing strong in yourself right now, it's, it's obvious. Like um, people are not, everyone's okay right now, I guess is the best way I can say it. Like, um, yeah. So tell, like, let's go to soul care. Like, so what do you mm -hmm. consider soul care as opposed to self-care and the difference between the two? Yeah. And I think this is where it gets interesting is because I don't think it's this like hard and fast definition, right? I think that's what makes it so beautiful is that self-care and soul care really weave together. And some moments you're like, I don't know if this is self-care and soul care. And that's the point. Yeah. Um, but when I think about just personally, like my own health journey, I've struggled quite a bit with health and having a really um, immunocompromised system. And I think for so long, I would just get so obsessed with self-care, right? It was like, okay, I take my supplements. I, you know, like get my vitamin C infusions. Like I just do all the things physically to make sure that I'm okay, right? I meditate for my mental capacity. You know, like I do the things that, you know, I do Qigong, like I do all the things, right? Yeah, yeah. But I would do all those things and I still wasn't healing. And so yeah. for me, what was really missing was this soul care, was this moment of, for me, when I think of soul care, it's balancing power, finding personal power and wildness. And so for me, I put those two together. And for me, soul care is actually just like my witchiness. It's like the part <laughs> yeah. of me that, you know, is really interested in what is this relationship to the cycles of nature when I'm outside on a walk. I'm not doing a walk for exercise. I'm doing it because I'm ready to get lost in the forest for two hours. You know, I don't take maps. I, I try to go to a different trail almost every other day. Like I want to get lost. Like there's something around that, the wildness of feeling like I don't know where I am and I can really feel my nervous system start to get confused in some way that that to me is actually soul care. It's our creativity. It's our wildness and it's, it's our power. Yeah. It's funny. Um, so I consider those activities. So I, I kind of wrote this like, um, you know, uh, journaling practice for myself uh, because I wanted to understand self-care. And so I started it and I was like, well, here's, you know, and I made a list of like a hundred different things for every single mm -hmm. one because like, you know, I researched things to the ground. So I was like, are you a Virgo? I'm like, what's going no, on? Here, no, no, not at all. Like total, total, total Sagittarius, uh, but Mercury. Anyway, I like Lib Libra, Libra in the background. Right. Um, you must so have a Mercury. It's just, it's, it's a very organized existence. I live. So, yeah. uh, I, I like to know, I like to just have options. So like, if I say like, I'm going to do self-care and I'm going to do the same thing every day. That's not going to work for me. Like straight up, yeah. I'm not that kind of person. So I knew that I needed to make myself a list so that when I was feeling, when I got into those red flag moments where I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not okay. Like I need to do something. I was like, okay, am I not okay in, you know, mental and body and, and spiritual? Like what is, what's off? And then I could literally go to this list and just go, which one feels like I could do it today. Right. And I could mm -hmm. literally just pick something. And that was, it was just to make it, as easy as possible for me. Yeah. And so I did that. And then I realized that 
um, after I, I had practiced it a couple of months, I realized that there were some activities I just keep, kept going to. And when I did them, not only did I feel better mentally, if that was what I had picked, I also feel better spiritually. I also felt better in my mm-hmm. body. And so it became really quickly that I realized that uh, when I went trail hiking and in, the, in nature, in the Boreal Forest every day, even, even if it was 10 minutes, I felt so much better. It was such a, it was such a soul care activity for me. And if I could go and get lost, just as you were saying, and what I would do is I would go after a geocache and I Mm. would be somewhere I had no idea in the bush. Right. And I would have like my compass to guide me a little bit. But once you got there, I mean, it might be 10 meters. It might be 50 meters. Like you really don't know. You got to look. Right. And so that was what got me out of these, you know, ruts essentially, or like just into the wild. Right. And so that was, that was how I kind of started doing it as a a practice. And it was just like a really easy way in. Um, But I came to know those as power activities, that those were the ones that no matter what thing was out of balance, I could go and do one of those type of activities with power activities for me. And I would be okay. After that, that would just straighten me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what is a piece kind of in the background too, is like, how do you define soul? Right. And, and I, I don't know if one of my favorite books is called care of the soul by Thomas More, And it's, you know, it's like, well, how do you define soul? Well, for me, soul is this individual part of spirit, right? So it's like, if spirit is this, this large, everything that we're connected, soul is my one individual part of that big piece. And so if I think about, well, then what is unique to my soul rather than what is spirituality, it feels really different to me, right? Because soul for me is really different than spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, what I was really hearing is you feeding the individual piece of your connection to spirit rather than yeah. feeding your relationship just to spirit itself. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, anyway, I think that's how I would define and figuring those out, right? Like figuring mm-hmm. those out because they are, um, they are unique, you know, right. to us. like some of us may get that, you know, lit up feeling nourished from the sun kind of feeling from painting or from, right. you know, like whatever it is, there's no judgment. And some of mine are like a, a little left of center, do you know what I mean? But um, it, it's just, it's finding those and experimenting with it a little bit, I think to get into like, here's my, here's the ones that are really doing from it. And then also know that you can add more <laughs> at any point, you know, mm-hmm. one of my friends, uh, you know, in pandemic times took up, took up the fiddle, which like, you know, that just was what was feeding her during this time. And she's learned how to p- play some Irish reels, you know? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I was also kind of curious, you know, thinking about this idea of how everyone has different types of soul care that I, I often wonder, you know, that where, you know, emotional care for me is both a self-care and the soul care, right? If we're thinking about like a holistic self-care rather than the way I think it's been portrayed, I'm like, okay, well, the emotional process to me is the soul, right? There's the idea that like the emotions come from the soul. They're not coming from the self. They're coming from like the innermost layer of our being. And so I tend to think, well, anything that balances emotions would be soul care. Yeah. And, and part of my journey um, in spending so much time in the wild was I started to realize when I was 
when I was feeling certain ways, I would really start noticing certain plants um, mm. because, because of course our medicine grows where, <laughs> where right. we roam. Right. And so, um, and so getting into creating flower essences and tree essences for me, um, it was kind of like welcoming home these plants I already really had this great relationship mm. with from like walking with them so often. Right. Um, and, and not necessarily knowing that they were helping me during that time, but they were, you know, and, um, plants are really cool because we can look at, you know, um, incredible photos of, of plants or have some herbs in our tea or, you know, have flower essences or however we want to interact with them and yeah. they're here supporting us. And so, um, you know, going to the forest is always an interesting experience. Um, when people say they're hikers, I'm like, well, what plant, you know, caught your attention mm -hmm. lately. Right. Cause I want to know, but, it, uh, you learn really quickly, like, um, which ones do what, and sometimes it's, you know, physically healing, like they make a really great salve or something. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, it's healing those, uh, you know, emotional and spiritual levels as well. They can also help us with that. And it was fascinating to kind of take all of these, marry them together, essentially in learning, you know, really what their medicine was all about and, and really, you know, how they had been gently helping me, you know, during all these hikes and times I had spent in the bush, right. It was really fascinating. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you were talking about your flower essences and I was saying, well, that to me feels so much like soul care, right? Like the flower yeah. essence working on such a deeper level. And for me, astrology is soul care. Yeah. Right. It's like, what are these things where you're looking more at like the symbolism and the archetype of, you know, for me, archetypes are the soul, right. They're, they're communication from the soul. And so plants are also a part of that same symbolic communication. Yeah. And the planets to me are really interesting because, um, they also, um, you know, like there's a lot of movement, um, with our plant planets. Right. And, um, and I think we, I think we can all already know that in knowing how, you know, with the moon and sort of seeing how the moon affects like the oceans and like a lot mm -hmm. of things on the planet. So it makes a lot of sense to me how planets also could teach us about, you know, changes and, and things that are happening. And I found that a really interesting subject, but I also, what I know about it is it is so deep. Like it is a, a you know, to start researching it and to start learning about it. It's a really deep um, rabbit hole to fall down, you know, like it's not, uh, not shallow. And so if you're, if it's someone who wants to start into learning more about how the archetypal astrology can, you know, help you with your soul care or your um, self care, where do you kind of start with that? Because I feel like it would be really easy to dive really deeply, really quickly. Yeah, that's such a great question. Cause I, the reason why I was asking you is about your chart is that I can feel the archetypes that are big influence, not the Zodiac, but the planets. Like I feel uh, a lot of Saturn yeah, yeah. and Mercury in your chart. Yeah. There's um, a lot of fire. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, the planets. Saturn oh, the planets. And Mercury. Yeah. So, and so when I talk yeah. about the chart, I'm looking at, well, what are the planets in relationship to the sun? That's okay, for me okay. is self-care. That's how you yeah. feed the sense of self. Hmm. Um, and so in a lot of astrology, people will look at the zodiacs and I say, forget the zodiac sign, forget the houses. Just look at some way where you can see you as the whole chart and look at, okay, well, what are the relationships between the sun and other planets? Because that's where the juice is. 
Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and so when I look at self-care, I'm like, okay, well, let's look at what's happening with the sun. And then when I look at soul care, I'm looking at, well, what's happening with the moon? What's yeah. happening in this emotional field of your needs and the way that you like your home life and the way that you were nurtured, the way you nurture yourself so that we can see, okay, well then how do we take care of the emotional safety of the chart and what feeds the sense of self? And so you, you hear different planets speak through people. And ah. so with you, I hear Mercury and I hear Saturn. And so I'm like, God, I wonder where they're sitting in your chart and what relationships yeah. they have to your sun and moon. Um, I've never looked at it like that. So I don't know. We'll have to like satisfy our curiosity when we turn the podcast off. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's, I think it's interesting that it's based on those relationships, right? Like mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a different way to look at it, but I, I mean, geez, like if I had known that like a couple of years ago, that would have saved me so much time and so many lists. <laughs> Right. Well, and of course there's no like hard and fast thing of like, oh, this is with your moon. So it means this, but I also find that there's certain archetypes of the chart that just have more soul, Yeah, you know, like, um, the planet Pluto to me is the planet of if someone has a sun, their sun or their moon with that planet. I know that their soul care is probably going to be more important than their self care to them. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, because this planet of depth and like uncovering has a more personal relationship to who they are. And so they're going to be more apt, you know, to want to go more inward and down, which I consider soul versus upward and out, which is spirit or more self. Yeah, I've, I've played with that a lot. And um, I think what what I learned was how I always was in the world. I was always very grounded to the earth, you know, and mm -hmm. always had those, um, you know, always found nature. Like even when I lived in a city of 150,000 people, I would always go that way, but had to learn how to develop the top a lot more in order to create the channel. Right. And so yeah. I think when I've worked with other people, um, and, and sort of like checked, checked them out, um, we seem to have one that is more dominant than the mm -hmm. other until we learn how to balance and create that, those channels for ourselves. Um, and, and that's, I don't know, it's evolving. Like I'm still learning, but I think it's a really fascinating um, thing. It's either one is um, more, uh, just one of them is usually more dominant to start with for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I use astrology for is like what needs balancing, right? Someone, some people are really great at soul care. Some people are really great at self-care yeah. and looking at the chart, you can really see what their leaning is. And so that's where you can kind of look at, okay, well, what would balance out that archetype or what would balance out that tendency so that there is more of that in what they would call involution and evolution rather yeah. than just one or the other. And through the planets, can you um, like if it's a certain planet, do you know, like certain activities might be more, uh, you know, easier for them to pick up or like something that you might really enjoy. And you can say like, maybe it's this type of activity that you want to try out or like, does it give you any insight that way? Cause I, cause I hear a lot from some of my clients that, um, they want to do self-care. They know they should do self-care mm -hmm. or soul care and they have no freaking idea where to start and they have no idea what they even like anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I found that, you know, when I think about the planets as these entities and I think about them in relationship to someone's chart, to me, they also, they're wanting to create a relationship. And so how do you create a relationship to a planet? Well, you do things 
that feed that relationship. And so each planet kind of has certain activities or certain ways of being in the world that helps you build that, that relationship with it. That's really cool. I think that would have, I think that knowing that off the bat would have. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode useful, I double dog dare you to send it to a friend.